American songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to Naomi Cohen over Zoom video. Naomi was born and raised into a musical family. Both of her parents are musicians in Jamaica. So she grew up totally surrounded by music, grew up in the, the tour bus, side stage, backstage, was fully immersed in music from her, her entire life, basically. She talked about singing in church at an early age and always having that drive to become an artist. She talked about going to school in Toronto. She moved from Jamaica to Toronto, uh, got a job in the more corporate world. Well, she worked for a startup, but got a, a quote unquote real job. Didn't love it. The opportunity really wasn't her, her, for her. So she moved back to Jamaica to really start pursuing music. When she got home, she released a song called Naked, and that kind of really kicked her career off. The next song she released was Paradise Plum, which was her real breakthrough song as an artist. She told us about working with Walshy from Major Lazer and a brand new mixtape she has coming out with him and her most recent song, Energy. You can watch our interview with Naomi Cohen on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel and like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Naomi Cohen. This podcast is all about you and your journey in music and how you got to where you are today. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Very cool. And we'll talk about uh, your new song, Lucky Me, as well. And energy. Oh, yeah, and energy. We have to talk about energy. Hold on. I'm just going to give the screen a quick wipe just to be sure. I, um, I'm a very moisturized person, so all of my devices tend to have <laughs> grease. I'm a very moisturized <laughs> person. I love that. <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, like just from my skin. So yeah, because um, yeah, lucky, lucky, <laughs> lucky me has some features on it. Oh yeah, of course we'll talk about energy. Your new single. Cool. Well, I'm ready when awesome. you are. I'm ready. So talk to me about where were you born and raised? Yeah. So I was born and raised um, right there in Kingston, Jamaica. You know, I um, I was actually raised in New Kingston which okay. if anybody knows anything about Jamaica, that's, you know, it's kind of like the center of all of, well, growing up for me, it was where like a lot of nightlife was and it's where all of the banks are. It's, I would compare it to maybe if you want to call it like the Times Square of Kingston. Okay. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, it's, it's really not like Times Square, but you know what I mean? It's just like an epicenter. Um, one of the, epi there's a few places that are really busy, but it's a really busy place, you know? So it was actually quite interesting growing up there because um, it was really busy, but at the same time, the, the community I grew up in, somehow had this huge backyard where all of the houses shared. So oh. I spent a lot of my days, like as a child, like climbing trees, you know, most Jamaican kids, we, we run against each other. Like track and field is actually a recreational thing for us. And oh, so interesting. I had, yeah, it's, it's funny. I had a very outdoorsy childhood, even though I did not live in the, the heart of the countryside, mm -hmm. but it's really just because I was lucky enough that, the, as I said, like I lived in like a, a community where, you know, it was like a townhouse kind of a place, but um, there was this big backyard that all of the kids got to share and, and grow up with. So 
it was cool. Like I grew up, you know, in the hustle and bustle of Kingston, but then I naturally just gravitated to all of the outdoors that comes, the outdoor stuff that comes with being Jamaican. Sure. That's amazing. That's cool that you lived in. So like you had like a community area that everyone can kind of. Exactly. Exactly. But then I think what was weird about it is that, you know, you step out your front door and you get to the main road and there's just like a lot happening. There's a hotels, there's, you know, like Burger King is right there. KFC yeah. is right there, you know, which is awesome for me. Like once I was <laughs> yeah, old, there you go. <laughs> old enough to walk by myself, you know, that's what I did with my spare money. Um, sure. So it was, it was cool. Very cool. How did you get into music? How did I get into music? Um, well, people always ask that question. I never know how to answer it, you know, um, because I, I was born into music, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think the Naomi Cohen that you see before you would exist if it wasn't for music because music is what brought my parents together. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I was born as a result of reggae music and as a result of music. However, for me, my journey to music was actually quite unlike many. Um, I am a multifaceted person. I co- I consider myself like a, mon- a multi-potentialite. I don't know if you've ever heard that word. Uh-uh. A multi-potentialite is someone with multiple passions and talents and giftings. And it's, it's people that kind of tend to end up being a jack of all trades and they're very good at many things and they're- Oh, sure. Like, talented well, that makes sense. Ways. Yeah, you have- Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so your potential is, is, is multi. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, yeah. right. Now, now I'm putting it all together. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, um, I've always been like a very multifaceted person. Even when I was a child, like, you know, at my elementary school, I think I won most all-rounded girl because every extracurricular activity I did it. Like you name it and I've done it, right? <laughs> and um, so I really wasn't that person who grew up with this like single-minded focus that like music was what I was going to do no matter what. I just knew, knew music was one of the many things that I loved. And I, um, I studied media in school. And as I got into the work world, if you want to call it, I realized that I was losing, I was losing a lot of my personal essence as a person, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I started to feel very unlike myself or the purest version of myself. I started to lose that as I got deeper and deeper into job hunting. And, and, you know, I got a job and I was like doing the job and I just wasn't feeling like me. And I, and in a way, you know, to be super transparent, I definitely, in looking back, I was a high functioning depressed person. You know, I I think I, I definitely struggled with that level of depression where you show up every day and people look at you and you think you're fine, but you know that you're not fine. Sure. Right. And it's like so, you almost had to use you were distracting yourself, maybe in a absolutely, sense, like absolutely, taking on yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, it was in like, I think it was t- 2017. And so as I had this full time job at this startup, a tech company in Toronto, actually. And, you know, the company was growing really fast. I don't know if you wow. know anything. So, about this. so you were you moved out of Jamaica to Toronto? Yeah. That's okay, where I went wow. to that's where I went to school. College? Okay, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to no, I know. Okay, it's like, so, so you got into college in Toronto, you moved out of Jamaica, moved to Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, sorry keep going. No, 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 no. It's all good. And so yeah, I had this job and it was so cool because I was I was one of the first two people the company hired. Wow. And um, you know, it's a it was a tech startup, so it was growing really fast and 
all this kind of stuff. And um, the job itself was like a decent job, meaning, you know, we had benefits and mm-hmm. <laughs> I started out as a salary. <laughs> I started out with a salary that like, you know, I would have never thought I would have gotten so quickly out of university. And um, so, yeah, it was like a $60,000 a year salary, which is pretty good. Yeah, right? sure. And, um, and then here's what happened. So within a two month period, right? So I'm earning more money. Like, my, you know, I'm no longer in broke student mode. So mm-hmm. I even like, you know, found a different apartment and I had roommates and we moved in together and I, I, I moved into this apartment based on this budget, this new budget of this new mm-hmm. job, whatever. And then um, at the same time, it turns out that my dad needed major surgery, right? Oh, and yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I flew to Miami to be with him and my mom and my sisters for the surgery. And um, as soon as I got back from that trip, crazy so his surgery went well it was that's good I was gonna ask yeah 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 he was fine and um as soon as I came back the the guys I worked for at the startup they called me in and they're like hey Naomi um you know we think you're so great and da 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 but we're realizing that like the budget like based on and and the truth is the startup world is very it's it's very volatile and uncertain Right. right um Sorry about this noise. I don't know what's passing. Okay, oh, I, I can't even hear it. Okay, yeah, so, so I get back from this trip from Miami once again. Like I had, you know, it's a bit of a life and death situation. Meaning, it's never easy seeing a family member go through anything like that. Right. Right. And 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 this was. Um, I'm just gonna let this pass. <laughs> That's Kingston for you. Oh my god. Are you and in I, Kingston now? Yeah, I live in a pretty okay. residential area, so I don't know why this massive I don't know how many wheels that truck had those passing, like, but anyway. <laughs> more than um, four? <laughs> yeah, definitely more than four. <laughs> like, if you stepped outside, you would be like, oh, there's like people live around here. So anyway, I'll start to one. No worries. So I, I get back from this trip from Miami and and and, and that experience in itself you know, watching someone that you care so deeply about actually go through what could be potentially life-threatening, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the minute somebody goes under for surgery, like yeah. that in itself is a risk. I think you sign a waiver when you have you to do. You do. I've had, right? I just, if you see the scar I have here, this is oh, still wow. healing. I, uh, this is my fourth cervical spine. Sur- my me- neck is like totally screwed. So oh, I've wow. had like a bunch of multiple disc replacements. So I know all about the surgery world. Yeah. And I totally feel you on that. Yeah. So, so, so even, scary. you know, scary. So that experience was super scary. And, and I mean, I'm just really happy that it, it, it went well. So I get back from that. Soon as I get back, not even a week from getting back from Toronto. I mean, from Miami to Toronto, the guys I was working for, they were like, Hey, you know, we think you're so great, blah, blah, blah. So you know that bad news is coming, right? Right, and of course. They they tell me it's not that we want to let you go, but we want to do one of two. We want to do two things. The first thing we want to do, we'll have to lower your salary. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is we're gonna adjust your position a little bit. So they downgrade. I basically don't, got downgraded, right? Mm-hmm. In money and as well as in like position and responsibility. So all of that happens within like a one, two month period. Keep it in mind, I had just moved into a different, a different apartment, you know, because I was supposed to be earning more money. And as you know, or you might not know, but in, in the tech world and the startups, 
it is a bit more volatile, truthfully, like meaning mm-hmm. more um, of a risk there, more of a risk, you know, for the people that work there, for the investors, everything is just super risky. But I find that stuff exciting. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I decided to keep the job. And it was maybe six months later that I, I started to confront myself to say, well, what are you really doing? Because what's the purpose of like working for other people and, and that kind of stuff if they still have the power to take that, take that away from you, mm-hmm. right? And I just, it, I just went into a time of reflecting on what are the things that really bring me the most joy? Yes, I'm good at multiple things, but what is the, what is the one or what are the few things that really like make me feel like myself? And as I confronted that, and, and once again, like I think in combination with seeing what my dad went through and the, the fragility of life and knowing what he's leaving behind, right? And my, and my dad has a history in, in, in music as well. Oh, okay. I, I thought to myself, I said, well, I'm wasting my time, mm-hmm. you know, because anyone that knows me would know that when I'm happy, when I'm sad, like music is, is always, has always been at the core of who I am. And I just decided to move back home and, and just do it because I knew that if I didn't do it, I would be constantly thinking about it and I would be going through my life like in a place of regret. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question in a very long way is I had to choose music to save myself from myself because I was getting in my own way. Mm-hmm. I know? love that. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you were able to, to, you know, obviously music is very important to you and you now you, you're just focus solely on on, on, yeah. on doing this as a career yeah yeah because I've always as I said like I've always done music whether it's privately or you know even at church church really helps uh-huh. like going to church and singing at church is where I developed a lot of my talents and as I said I grew up in the industry because both of my parents are musicians and and public figures in the Jamaican music industry so it really? was a part yeah, yeah, yeah oh it was a wow part, it's a a part of my upbringing but I just was always kind of like oh I don't know I don't know like I can do other things that I always felt like because life offered me so many options Mm -hmm. as I said being a multi-potentialite you want to try a lot of things and music was one of the few things I think maybe it scared me the most and and that's why you know maybe I didn't run to it at first but Mm -hmm. I had to run to it when I was in a in in my what I would consider like one of my lowest points Music was what I had to run to that brought me back to life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. With, well, with your being from a musical home and musical household, like, were you exposed to like your parents performing like all the time as a kid and like going to Mm -hmm. their performances and stuff? What was that like? Oh man. I mean, I, that's all I know. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. meaning some of my earliest childhood memories, all I can remember is either like falling asleep on the floor of a studio or, um, you know, being backstage in my mom's arms. And I, I mean, I'm feeling the bass because, you know, reggae music and like dance hall music mm-hmm. is extremely heavy on the bass. So I just, one of my earliest memories is just being asleep in her arms as a, as like a child, not like a baby, but as a child, but right. they, they would, you know, and feeling like, and you know we would me and my brother and my sisters and stuff our my parents just tried to take us everywhere so we would be with them backstage until five six o'clock in the morning and 
you know, sleeping and waking up and sleeping and waking up. And, <laughs> and so I grew up knowing the, like for me, the side stage and backstage are the most familiar places for me to the point where sometimes I can't even go to regular concerts because I'm always <laughs> like, I need to go up there. Even yeah, like, why am I in this crowd with all these people? <laughs> and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's so funny because it's not even like, because I don't want to be around people, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just maybe where I've always experienced. The right, right. That's you so know, funny. Um, so yes, yeah, so I grew up that's that and, and, and a lot of traveling and, you know, when they could take us on tour outside of the country, mm-hmm. you know, they would take us. So like I, you know, my, my, one of my favorite things was being able to sleep on the tour bus, which is very uncomfortable for an adult. Right? <laughs> but I mean, imagine being like a kid and you're like on this moving in this moving bed going across that was yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah. Like, I mean, wow. It was exciting, especially because my brother or my sisters would be there. And so it was just like a family experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. And then uh, were your parents obviously must have been pretty supportive of the fact that you wanted to pursue music? Yeah, you know, they've always they've always been supportive, you know, no matter what direction I've chosen. Like, because they uh-huh. as one, I think because they see and they've always seen my potential as as a individual um and they've always supported anything i've always wanted to try to do mm-hmm. they've supported it right um so when i told them and i explained to them what was happening with me and i guess the messages i felt coming from my soul about this decision i think they finally was like oh she's she's ready you mm-hmm. know whereas before i would kind of like oh i'll go to the studio and da, 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 but i wasn't really serious about it you know um, even when I used to participate in beauty pageants, like I would always sing for my, um, my talent, you know, and they mm-hmm. always supported me with that. Like when I was in high school, I used to do, don't ask. <laughs> I used to do <laughs> well, Now pageants. I want to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So when I told them, I, I think, I think what was, this is my opinion. I think for them, they were happy because none of my other siblings really do music music like mm-hmm. we all have a passion for the arts and we're all creatives in different ways my one of my brothers he's a booking agent so he's oh, wow. kind of on he's in the booking side of things and but I, I i none of us nobody else has really decided that they wanted to perform and create and you know so i think for them they're just really excited to see that i could take on their legacy and and mm-hmm. you know um hopefully like extend what they've started because they have that amazing history. Yes. Um, and I they've mean, had a, a so many records impact. and so many, yeah, so many success stories. Um, I'm looking at the, just the amount of stuff that your parents have done now online. It's oh my crazy. God. It's, I'm so far behind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> nah, you'll get there. <laughs> Is it okay that I'm drinking this coffee right now? Yeah. I okay, good. That's just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, when you ended up moving back and really focusing on, on music full, full time, did you already have songs written? And when did you like, what was yeah. the first thing you did? Yeah. So there was a, so one of the first songs I've released is titled naked mm-hmm. and it, it's like an indie acoustic pop kind of a song. And um, I had, I think I had released that before I left Toronto and I, I knew I just needed to get it out as a way, like kind of like there's something special about um, finishing something and mm-hmm. putting it out there into the world, even if it's not necessarily done at the most, you know, grandiose level of sure. 
you know? So I had released a song called Naked, but um, that was while I was still in Toronto and, and still in school. But then upon my return, I had this idea that I wanted to cover one of my dad's biggest songs that he's ever written, mm-hmm. which is a rock steady song called Things You Say You Love. And I collaborated on that with one of the members of the reggae pop band Magic. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His name, you, yeah. His name is Mark Pelly. Okay. So Mark. Um, it's another. <laughs> just another car. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's not a car. It's like, oh, man, I wish you could see. It's literally. It's li- anyway. Like a tank? It's just like a big. <laughs> it's not a garbage truck, but it's bigger than a garbage truck. Okay. Anyway. So I. Um, I reached out to him. I can't remember. Oh, somebody had introduced me to Mark Pelly. Yeah. Somebody introduced me to me because it introduced me to Mark because they heard that I was doing reggae. And I said, Hey, like, would you be down for helping me to produce this song? I, you know, it's, it's, um, it's called things you say you love. And it's was originally written in like 1963 or something like that. And he was down for it. So I'd released that song when I first came back to Jamaica and then, you know, was that pretty big moment for your for your dad? I mean, that being that, it, you know, you chose one of his songs. Was he pretty proud so. of that? Yeah, I think like, so. I think so. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's cool. I'm and sure, it, we, yeah. we, we, we put a fresh twist on it as well, because it's a, you know, the original song is a very traditional rock steady song. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, we still kept a lot of that ska and rock steady elements, but made it more fresh. So I love that. Cool. And then fr- from there, did you just continue to write and, and release? Yeah, basically. I mean, I, from there, one of the one of the first things I actually started to do more than anything else was just start to make an effort, I guess, to make my presence known mm-hmm. in the space musically, because a lot of people didn't know that I could sing. <laughs> so what that meant is I just did as many gigs and shows and stuff that I could do to just establish a presence mm-hmm. to be like, here I am. I'm, I'm here. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, to be quite honest, I, I just went for it. I have, I had no plan. I had no strategy, which is so wild. When I think about it, I was like, I, I didn't really go other than my parents were asking for help with different things. I didn't really go to anybody for direct advice. Like I was just like, well, I have one song, let's go, you know? <laughs> right. And I, you know, put myself out there, sent press releases out, just did everything I could, you know, within like my capacity. And then um, at the end of whatever year that was, I think 20, 2017, I, I uh-huh. wrote a song called Paradise Plum. Okay. And that song became my breakthrough song. Yeah, that song's right? huge. I mean, it does yeah. really, streams really well on Spotify. Yeah, and and um, once again with Paradise Plum, I really worked that single to be. I worked the single in for about almost a year. Wow. When I look, when I look, and and it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that. Once again, that wasn't necessarily the plan. It was just the momentum kept showing itself that wow, Paradise Plum has this thing. You know, we can really use this. We can really use this. So I just didn't release. I released a mixtape to go with the single called the Paradise Plum mixtape, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I mean, of course I was writing a recording, but I didn't put a lot of new music out. And, you know, it just turns out that Plum, Paradise Plum took me, you know, to like my first UK shows. Wow. My first, you know, I had a, before the pandemic, I had a, a tour my, at the end of 2019, I actually got to, you know, do about six or seven dates in Europe between like Sweden and Switzerland and um, 
Den- Denmark, I think, mm-hmm. you know, so, so all of that had happened, um, you know, off of like the consistent push of, of this one song. And it's also just a really great song. I'm not even going to lie. It's just a really good song. And um, we had done a promotional run with VP Records because they had licensed it for their Reggae Gold album. And so it was licensed as a lead single. So wow. that was awesome. Yeah. And um, and so here we are. <laughs> and here we are. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. where well, where were you? You're, you're talking about touring right before the pandemic hit. Were you home and safe at this time or like what was were you in the middle of something or were you writing what became oh, energy you mean like, like right yeah, where, yeah. where were you when the pandemic hit and how did that affect yeah. you oh god well so energy actually was written in april of 2019 so energy was just okay. kind of like sitting in, it was the in your back pocket there you go it was just, it was just hanging out um <laughs> it was hanging out it was just chilling you know and, and i it was kind of frustrating because i really love the song <laughs> but uh so when the pandemic hit Funny enough, I was, my last performance or show was in February of 2020. And I had a show in St. Kitts and Nevis um, with another reggae artist. His name is Chris Martin. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so get back from St. Kitts and Nevis. And then I had a show here, a beautiful performance at this event in, in Kingston called Rumfest, Jamaica Rum Festival. Oh man, I think that was probably one of my best performances. No lie. Really? Yeah, um, I really just, I think I was coming, even though I've always been a pretty decent performer, there was something, I think before that performance, I had made a very conscious decision that I was going to kick down that stage. Does that make sense? (laughs) Sure, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so, and and I think also I was just flowing off of the energy of my tour and all that kind of stuff. And and also I was planning on releasing energy (laughs) so um so yeah so so I was here you know and we just started to hear different things like I had a we started to book my 2020 European summer tour so the goal was you know I think I had secured like one date in Austria or something like that and Mm -hmm. um you know we're just going to start building the tour from that and the goal was that we're going to drop energy as a single and it would have been like the lead single for that for that summer and stuff like that. So, uh-huh. you know, when we started to hear all of this, like what's going to happen. And then of course, like the world shuts down. I, um, you know, I, I just got back into writing uh-huh. um, and I connected with some really great people during that time. So I started to work with Walshi Fayo from Major Lazo. Wow. Yeah. So Walshi, he's the Jamaican, well, he's Jamaican, but he's uh-huh. the Jamaican member of Major Lazo. And, he ended up being here once again when the world was shut down and he was just started talking and he was just like, listen, man, like, I think you're awesome. I've been watching new stuff. And I think that we could do some really dope creative things. And he said, I also think he was just like, I also think you're kind of weird in a good way. And he was <laughs> like, I think you're much different from what people think you are. And, and he, he said, I don't think that you're just reserved for the space that you're already in. And he honestly, he just got me right. He got, like, I think the essence of who I am, not just as an artist, but as a person. And Mm -hmm. he said, I think you should not be afraid of, like, experimenting and doing things that make you happy. Because he said, like, there's something in your energy that is different. You know, Mm -hmm. he just said, like, you're really, he, I think he was just saying that he thinks, like, that I have 
great potential for, you know, beyond the, the reggae space. Right. 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 And so he was like, yo, let's just work on some music. Let's just work on some music. So um, we just started writing and, and I started to work with a producer. Her name is Wizard. She's a female producer down here. And her parents are also, well, her dad is also like a pretty legendary um, reggae artist, but mm -hmm. she doesn't really make a lot of reggae, reggae music. Um, she actually produced Lucky Me. And um, so, yeah, we just spent months, all of 2020. I just decided to not pressure myself to try and like, you know, keep up with the Joneses, if you want to call it that. Like, I just mm -hmm. didn't pressure myself to like, oh, I need to release. Like, because I already had a, also, I already had music recorded. Like, I'm, you know, so I was just like, let me just take the time to know who I want to be moving forward. Because mm -hmm. that stop in the, in the, in the wheel, that kind of like that, that cog is that a word like the, the the when the pandemic hit it just allowed me to to take one step back and just look at where I was going and then where I wanted to go and my trajectory and like it caused me to think about how do I want to how do I want my career to flow mm -hmm. you know it kind of gave me a, a break that I didn't know that I needed because truthfully I'm a very 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 independent artist so from that day, when I came back here from Toronto up until now, like, you know, a lot of my steps have been just like based off of my own decision making and, and what I feel, right? And, and truthfully, I was going hard. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I just took 2020 to just brainstorm and dream and look at the songs I had already mm -hmm. and look at what I wanted to add to that. And so here we are, like, you know, while Shifai and I were, were dropping a, a mixtape, I was gonna, yeah, you have a mixtape yeah. coming out with them, right? Yeah, yeah. So what? Tell me about what, that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So it's called Star Girl, <laughs> and um, it's 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 gonna be mostly like original songs, but it's it's it's. I would say the mixtape really represents my creative influences. So what you hear is you hear music that helps to bring me to where I am, meaning like you hear some really dope reggae songs, like you've heard Lucky Me, mm -hmm. Energy's the lead single from that, um, from that mixtape. But then you also hear like a lot of like hip hop R&B stuff, right? And truthfully, you know, a lot of times when I go into a studio, the first thing a producer will say is like, oh man, like you really, you kind of sing like an R&B singer, but then you're singing on reggae, right? Mm -hmm. Or they, you know, they're like, yeah, it's like a pop vibe. I always get that, I always get this, comments about sounding like a pop singer so um what we're doing with the mixtape is is literally it's it's almost like it's allowing me to be as add as i want to be <laughs> i love that <laughs> that's really honestly that's the best way to describe it um and that's what i actually am really excited about and what i've really loved about working with Walshi is that it hasn't been about like well you're this artist mm -hmm. and like you need to do this and truthfully a lot of people that have come into my space that's what they want to do yeah they want they to put kinda, you in like a little box or something and yeah not let you do right what you want exactly and, and 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 not only just about what i want but also like what can bring out the best in me right right and and so i haven't truthfully i hadn't gotten that from anybody musically and creatively until he and i started to, to vibe and so that's why like a lot of the timing feels really right about stuff. And that's why we dropped energy and we dropped lucky me. And he came up with this wild idea of um, 
dropping a song a month for the year. Okay. Which is wild. Um, <laughs> the good thing is that the music, for the most part, all of these songs are already recorded. Okay. So it's not like I'm right now creating. Gonna have to write a song every month. No, and that's what we did last year. We literally locked in and just like created. Plus I had songs from before. So that part is not too much of a worry. It's just like when you actually have to get into the release process, there's just all of the, you know, the whole, the housekeeping kind of stuff that you have yeah. to take care of and stuff like that. Sure. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what's happening. You know, we're dropping a song a month, we're dropping this project and then I have an EP out for the summer. Exciting. Very exciting. Yes. And then stuff should be opening up here. What in the fall? Uh, as far as yeah. live performances. So that must be exciting for you as well. Yeah, that is exciting because, you know, that's that's actually one of my favorite parts of the job. Of is being for live performances. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I, I feel like, how do I say it? Um, I feel most like myself when I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love, I love recording and writing and going to the studio and that's a whole different experience. But um, one time I had an opportunity to perform on, on, a, on a concert. My dad was pr producing. I was just like an opening act. But it's this huge festival that he produces out here. And it's actually free to the public. So people come very, very early. So like when I went on stage at like five, six o'clock or five o'clock, already 5,000 people were there, you know? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. The, yeah, the event, I think like up to 80,000 people come. Oh my gosh. That's and huge. Um, yeah, I'll never forget this because it was a bit of an outer body experience. And so I, I did like two songs, just opened up the show kind of a thing. And I'll never forget, man. Like I came off the stage and I looked at my mom and I was like, I've never felt more like myself than I did in that moment. And I remember it, you know, and that was kind of part of that kind of started the process. Mm -hmm. I was like, I have to find a way to make sure that. I'm doing this more often. Right, right. You know, and I was, I, yeah. So, so I really do enjoy performing and, um, you know, we've done a couple of virtuals and stuff like that, but it's just not the same. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, however, as I said, like I've, I've really made an effort to try to maximize what has been happening. I mean, it's also been very terrible. You know, I think, the whole world is just vibrating at a very low frequency right now. And mm -hmm. um, it's, it's rough. I think it's really rough because our industry has been impacted the most. <laughs> Literally, like entertainment is a, is a one thing that's just been like, nope, you can't. Yeah, exactly. Right? Nope, not even a little hint. You can try yeah. to figure out other things like virtual shows and drive-in yeah. concerts but it's definitely not this, and not everyone can pull off a drive-in concert no especially. and even and virtuals as well like they're you know it's actually not as easy as people might think right right there's a lot there's actually probably like logistically there's even more to consider because of the rebroadcast and the mixing and you know all, there's mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that goes into it and um and that can also like kind of make the process a little bit but you know what I mean? Right, right. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited. And I, I know for me, I, um, I'm just focusing on the music and sharing it as much as I can and um, knowing that it's going to resonate with the people that it's meant to reach. And then, of course, I will 
see them in the near future. Yeah. You I know, love that. I can yeah, I can only do my part, which is write, sing. Write, sing and do it. And, yeah, and you're ready to play. So hopefully this is all ends. I mean, it looks like everything's starting to open up. So yeah. Very excited for that. And I can't wait to hear the mixtape. And obviously we have a song a month to look forward to for the for the year. So that's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's, I, it's it's to me. I mean, I do believe it's going to be disruptive, but in the process, <laughs> in the process, it's so terrifying in a good way, though. You know, and, and I think when something scares you in a creative way, that means you should you should do it. Definitely. Yeah. I'll- so. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Naomi, for talking with me. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. I have one more question for you before I let you go. Yeah. Do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Yeah. Oh, gosh, lots. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, aspiring artists, I mean, I think, you know, whether your art, your art is music or anything, I think anyone with an aspiration in general um, more than anything else, my biggest piece of advice would be to fight to be yourself in the process. Um, do not change who you are to try and like make your art make sense to other people. Because I think that's where the breakdown of the human soul begins to happen when you are not true to yourself. Like the greatest, for me, the greatest form of self-betrayal that I've like done and seen happen to me is when I've hidden parts of myself because I was afraid or insecure or like didn't think it was good enough or thought it was too weird or thought it was too different or, you know, so I would just like, this sounds super cheesy, but it's literally to just be yourself. But it's also very difficult to be yourself because there's so many messages that come to us in big ways and small ways, you know? Our behavior starts to shift the minute we become like aware of who we are, even as like children and teenagers and that stuff, like we start to learn behaviors from the outside world and start to reshape ourselves in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and then especially in the creative space, that's almost the worst thing you could do. So my advice is like, make your art represent you. And that's why I said like, you know, this mixtape is kind of like a bit ADD in a funny way because I'm tired of trying to make my music make sense, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a this artist, I'm a that artist, I'm a right. this category, whatever, you know? I'm just like, I should just make what I feel comes out. Like whatever comes out, that's I should be creating that.